Hello, ladies and gentlemen, this is Claudia Monticelli and another with another episode of the Pleasure Seeking Podcast. And today I have um, quite a, um, an interesting guest. It's a, a first for me. Um, I talking with him uh, previously, I mentioned, you know, I haven't had people like you on my show yet. Um, we've had sex therapists, we've had all kinds of people, adventurous souls. But um, today, my guest is Brian Russell. Uh, Brian Russell is an author, he's a professional, he's a professor of biblical studies. And um, this is why I was so interested in having him uh, come on. Because when you study at a level of a, a doctoral level, at a PhD level, you know a few things, and um, and 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 you're able to speak with them with it from authority. He's also a podcaster and a transformational coach for spiritually minded professionals and pastors. His personal personal mission is to seek out, to study, and embody the deepest truths about God so that he can share them compellingly, lovingly, and transformationally with us. And this is what I'm after uh, from him. And we'll be talking about many different things with him. Come on in, Brian, and let you, I want you to talk for yourself. Speak for yourself. Hey, Claudia, it's so great to be with you, and thanks for the opportunity. Oh, it's my pleasure. My pleasure. It's um, such a, a, a pleasure for me because, you know, I, I'm a person who works with language and, and specifically when I hear a person's voice, I know everything about them. I mean, I know wow. if I don't want them, I don't like, you know, if I, but as soon as I heard your voice, I thought, what, this is going to be heaven. It's heaven. <laughs> Um, Brian, wow. I, I, I know that we're in different time zones. You're on the East Coast in the United States and California, I believe, right? Well, actually, I'm in Orlando, so I'm even I'm a little closer. But yeah, I'm down in Florida and Orlando. <laughs> Orlando. We don't have an Orlando in Italy, <laughs> but it's pretty well, close. <laughs> no, that's that, that's that, that's true. Orlando is an, a unique place for sure. <laughs> <laughs> And um, one of the things that I would like to start to talk about with you that I've also written uh, quite a bit about in my upcoming book is the notion of fear. And uh, we all have what I call four faces of fear. I work with archetypes. And, and uh, you, you speak about overcoming fear and, and more importantly, guilt and shame. And they're just different shades of that same coin. Maybe you could talk about that a little bit and and just beware i will be interrupting every now and then <laughs> no it's great it's 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 uh that, that that's i think that's it's fun to have a great conversation so i'll, I'll be I'll, i'm ready for any interruptions or whatever so yeah yeah for me um fear guilt and shame i call them the unholy trinity Again, you know, you mm, interesting. I, listeners know I, I come at things from a religious perspective. Um, and, and, and so and, and I've just found in my own life and as I've gotten more tuned in and and met with students and folks that I coach with that most people struggle to show up fully as the person that I believe that each one of us was created to be because oh, wait, we just have to a moment, Brian, when you say they show up. Uh, what do you mean they come out or they emerge or they, they show themselves to be oh i mean when i mean show up is like the way that we live so like when i oh. popped on you had an immediate uh -huh. impression about ah, my yes, voice yes, so yeah, i mean yeah, yeah. but 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 fear guilt and shame 
cause most of us to live lives that are much smaller than they should be. And so yes. when I think that the shorthand for fear, guilt, and shame for me would be fear is um, I don't have enough. Uh, guilt is I don't do enough. And shame is I'm just flat out not enough or I'm not good enough. And so yeah. when, you know, when I think about fear, I, I think of that a lot of it as biological responses, right? Because yes, um, we, we're, we're, we're mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, so for survival, but in our modern world, yeah. again, depending on where you live, you know, we're not getting chased around by tigers or we're not really um, struggling to find, you know, food. Like in the United States, if I'm hungry, I can. I can go to McDonald's, I can right, go to a grocery exactly. store and all those things, but we still have those embedded fears that then um, show up as, as stress and, and such. So, so I've just noticed a lot of people are stuck and live smaller lives just because they're afraid that they're not going to have enough. Whereas in fact, the world is, again, it can be scary and it can be dangerous, but there's an abundance available for everybody if we can just um, overcome sure. our own fear that that might not be true for us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the uh, the notion of guilt. Uh, yeah. What is the core of that? Where do you think that stems from? Yeah, in 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 my own thinking, I, I distinguish between two kinds of guilt. Like like I think it, it's there there is true guilt, which for me would be if I've actually harmed someone or even harmed myself, yes, I mean, it's yes. completely appropriate to feel guilty about that. But right. what I've noticed is there's a more insidious form of guilt. And this is what causes us to live small. It's, it's, I would call it a false guilt that comes from somehow on the inside. Um, we feel like we don't do enough based on maybe what our parents taught us, what society's expectations are, or even in my own head, what I think I should be doing versus what I am doing. And so okay. one of the things I help people yeah, is to move past should oh, and, okay. to and, and to make my life about like, I want to like today, it's like, let's see, you know, I should make space to talk to Claudia this afternoon versus like this morning, I looked at my calendar. I'm like, wow, I get to be on Claudia's podcast. So there's no should about oh, this I for see. me. It's, it's, right. a, I, I turned it into a must. I, I always tell people in terms of guilt, I want to get people to the space where they don't do anything they think they should do. Yeah. They just do stuff that yeah. they <laughs> have chosen to do based on who they are and what they sense their mission is in life. And, and guilt blocks that because we live somebody else's life. Well, that, you know, listening to you explain that, it makes me think that we're really two sides to the same coin i i uh, you know look to the pleasure aspect of doing things uh, that helps me overcome a lot of what i should do right <laughs> um and shame now shame is a particular beast that um to this day i, I have trouble understanding i have two children and, and the youngest uh growing up he um, sort of had this shadow of shame that came from, you know, so many different things, probably how the school standards were, I don't know. But I, I, I was so worried about that. And then I threw him in sports, in the sports world, and that changed everything. But in shame, in your experience, um, is there a common element what, what that is caused from? Is it basically similar in, in many people or, or not? Well, no, I, I think the core wounding that creates shame, like in, in my mind, 
again, you, you alerted, you know, that I, that I, I do, I'm a, uh, I'm, I'm a Christian, I believe in God. And, and so I think basically the root of shame is us forgetting that our core identity is a person who's unconditionally loved by God, or we could even say something greater than ourselves. And so shame comes in and masks that, and it makes, and it makes us think that we're simply not good enough. And that usually comes from you know, in my own life, just, uh, I, I would say humiliations as a child right, or not right. living up to the expectations of a parent and, and those things. And you, or, and you can be victimized like a person who just suffered trauma. Yes. And, you know, yes. I've had some trauma in my life and that creates yes. shame. And that just, and that masks the truth that we are, each one of us is loved unconditionally by the God that created us. And if we can just live out of that space, we could live, um, you know, substantially apart from shame. And I, you know, let me share, a, if you don't mind, I'll share like one of my favorite kind of disarming statements about shame. Like, um, and this was really hard for me at first. Um, one of my mentors years ago said that we should just say this one line prayer. And it's simply this, um, God help me believe the truth about myself, no matter how beautiful it is. Yes, I understand. Perfect. And that's a shame cracker because most of the time you yeah. think, oh, geez, the truth about myself. I don't even want to talk about that. But then that's how beautiful it is. And that gets yeah. us to that deep reality. Yeah, yeah. This, uh, this, the, uh, the notion of unconditional is what I battle with, with the people I work with um, and I mentor and I coach. And uh, it's many people just can't wrap their head around that. And even, even without the notion of unconditional love, from a God, but their ability to love unconditionally, which is, you know, I imagine that it stems from, it's just like a cat that bites its tail, really. Because if, if you don't believe that from above, you don't, you're unable to then give that, I think, it is, am I... Uh, well, I think I think that's true. I think sometimes you get two reactions. Like I actually do. I think in general that's true. But you also can get this strange thing. Like I noticed in my life before I had this transformation that probably ultimately brought me onto your show here today yeah. was that I was able to love other people, um, but I did it to detriment of myself. And an and example. I would say, give me an example if you well, don't well, mind. Like, well, yeah, I think I think what I mean by that is like you know the like the the scriptures, and this is this is almost a, a universal truth. I think right. you find in a lot of religions. But there's the idea of love your neighbor as yourself. Right. Some of us love our neighbor more than we love ourselves, and what that does is it slowly depletes us. So, yes. like for 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 an instance, like I can you know I just honestly say I think I had it, and I've kind of been growing. So I'm not going to say I'm cured from these things, but I think I had kind of codependent enabling tendencies. Right. And I so I, I wouldn't show up fully, like I could serve a person powerfully, but I wouldn't show up in those contexts as my authentic self and say things that maybe that I really believe because I didn't want to hurt the other person or I was afraid I was going to um, lose the other person in some way. So I would say in some ways I loved a people. Again, it, was that perfectly unconditional? Probably not, but in my brain, I was loving another, but it wasn't coming out of the wholeness of who I was, if that makes sense, yes. or who I truly was. Yes, it makes perfect sense. It makes perfect sense. Very interesting, that is. Really, really interesting. Um, now, 
you know, I'd like to say to myself, well, we got better. We got rid of the bad stuff. <laughs> now let's get into the good stuff. Yeah. Um, there, uh, well, the umbrella of, of everything that I, I think we'll be talking about is is uh, can be classified under spiritual practices. But I like to to detail them. And you suggested uh, the notion of silence and solitude as being uh, good for our souls. Maybe you can clarify. And I'm going to ask you a terrible thing to do. Please forgive me. The notion of a soul. Uh, because a lot of people don't get that the and yeah. um and why then are solitude and and silence good for that yeah and and i can clarify this a couple of different ways like like I, i'm not a person that's like a, a necessarily what you'd call a dualist in some ways i am materialist in the way i understand the soul and the body like i think it's um and i and, Again, we're we're talking about speculation. We're talking right, about sure. spiritual things, sure, and so sure. in my in my mind, I never want to separate my spirituality from my body per right. se. And so right. it's possible because, like, I don't think you can pull the soul out of me. I would say that <laughs> what a soul is, it's a living body that yeah. you know that's that's in spirit. So I'll just say it that way. So when I talk about soul, I'm really talking about the fullest version of who we are. Yeah. I would say I think that's important Beautiful. to say. Mm -hmm. And so, so when I talk about how silence is good for us, at, you know, or, or for our souls, it's it, it's very much talking about um, understanding our own bodily responses to things as well. And so, what silence does is, uh, and again, this is apart from whether there's actually a God or not, because this is right. going to be true for anybody that does silence or solitude. Yeah, as you're going to be confronted in the because of the silence yes. with bodily sensations yes feelings and if you're really attentive the thoughts that are buzzing around in your mind that yes. oftentimes you're not even conscious of and so right. being forced into silence apart from distraction um you discover what's really inside of yourself. And in my mind, that's a gift from God who's inviting us to embrace love and our yeah. true identity by essentially releasing that stuff that shows up um, on the inside when we're in the silence. And, you know, so if you want to find out, like, you know, what I'm always curious, what is it that I'm afraid to feel is one of is one of my favorite questions to ask myself, you know, like, why am I if I if I'm working too much, what am I trying to avoid by working too much? <laughs> I love that. Right? I mean, I mean, and that's because that's what silence does. And, you know, yeah. and people have different ways of fill, filling the void in their life when there's yeah. no silence, you know, work is one thing, you know, so you can do uh, you can hobbies, you can do things that aren't good for you. That's where a lot in my mind, a lot of addictions come yeah. from that uh, attempting uh -huh. to avoid the feelings but silence lets you confront all that and if you can just hold on to the discomfort that does come over time with silence on the other side of that again isn't perfection but it's substantial healing and some yes. real freedom that lets you show up then in the world as a, a person who's not afraid of who you really are there you go you linked the healing right to that beautiful um beautifully put um very very erudite i love that that was fantastic Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. It's <laughs> a great question. Yeah. So that's yeah. awesome. Um, there's also, um, uh, you mentioned to me um, rhythms, uh, creating certain rhythms that I would, I, initially I thought 
could they be equated to habits? But yes. I like the notion of rhythms because of the harmony and because of the movement that it implies. The, the, the rhythms for thriving and flourishing in uh, our daily life and work with our businesses. Yeah, and, and, and these are words that are interchangeable. Like if you go into uh, kind of classic uh, spiritual formation, you'll hear words like setting up a rule of life for yourself that came okay, out of like on, the monastic. Hold on, hold on. When you say a, a classical formation, are, are you talking about some seminaries or? Not, not necessarily. I was just saying that the, the, I was going to explain where I get the word rhythm from. So ah, basically, okay, okay. if you it. look in this Christian spiritual tradition, um, yes. you'll have people talking about um, things like setting up a rule of life, or you also hear there's books on spiritual disciplines. Um, the, in, in secular culture, we have things about habits. Um, I love that word rhythm, and you picked it up yeah, really yeah. well, that there's a kind of a beauty to it, because not everybody likes discipline right, exactly. and even habits. But when you think about rhythm, that's just, it's more, that makes your life more like a dance, if you will. Right, exactly. And, and so, but you still need to have um, recognized, you know, like we have seasons, right? right and different right. seasons bring different things. So I like to think of the way that I live my life on a day-to-day -day basis, going through different seasons. And so what, what do I need to kind of practice habitually mm -hmm. that lets me essentially show up? Well, like one of my mentors said, show up pay attention and recognize that as I interact with other people and go about my work that I would in my mind mm -hmm. that God has more invested in all this than I do and so how do I show up as my best version of myself um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. most of the time and it's most of the time I got to say Claudia because yeah, I have I bad days too yeah <laughs> and maybe it's only some of the time honestly but I want it to be most of the time <laughs> I want it to be could, most of the time <laughs> I could listen to you all day <laughs> um you before you you dove into that you did mention role uh, that that's common when when you in in certain um fields of study or how uh, uh, or that you have gone through people know role people understand roles and people come to me with the question what is my purpose what am i to do what role am i to have and and i wanted to go back and maybe you could clarify that notion of role in um that you mentioned previously before going on to the rhythms. Yeah. And I think, and I actually said rule of life. I don't know oh, if you role. heard rule. Oh, yeah, because that, yeah. that's why I asked for a definition. I couldn't okay. understand it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I'm sorry about that. I can talk about roles too, because that flows out of that, but I would, but in, uh -huh. in the context I was saying uh, rule, uh, but like, uh, okay, well, well, I would, I'm happy to talk about role because that's the whole thing. Like I actually yeah, think yeah. rhythms um, yes. and uh, of life, the whole point of that is to set us up. Yes. So that we can, you know, offer our highest good and our highest gifts to the world in service to other people. And so, um, when I say purpose, like I, in a shorthand, I think the ultimate purpose in life is um, just is to love. And what right. I would mean that right. um, love God, love neighbor, and love ourselves. That's the purpose. Now that's so broad that that's right. not particularly helpful. Yeah. But within that context, once I recognize that I'm a person loved by God, I can without shame 
allow the music that's in me, if we want to use that as a metaphor to sing, or I can get the book that's in me to come out or whatever I'm really good at. And I can make that my offering to the world as much as I possibly can. Because in my view, every single person on the planet has dignity before God, is loved by God. And there's something that each person has that if they could get it out of themselves and offer to the world would make the world more beautiful. And so when I think about purpose and role, that's that's how I would think about it. And I think these spiritual practices could help each one of us individually to discover what that is and live it out, you know, most of the time or even some of the time on a consistent basis. Um, Brian, um, I'm going to ask you to do something that you may not uh, be prepared for, but I, I, I trust that you'll be fine with it. Um, today, even with this high-powered pace that people live in and, and even in the, you know, behind Zoom life that we're living in now in the COVID period, um, there still is what I feel, no matter what kind of profession you're in or what kind of service you offer, things travel by word of mouth and uh, communication, no matter how much advertising you do, people talk to other people. Now, let's say that a person in, um, in Florida, not necessarily very close to you, but was told by a friend, he was especially, I'll call him a man, you know, especially depressed. And he said, you know, I know that you're not uh, very religious, uh, generally, but I know this man, and he mentions your name, I, it would be good if you could have a talk with him, mm-hmm. okay? Now, he comes to you, um, let's call him Joe Brian, Joe Brian, and he comes to you, and, and there's a, a number of issues, you know, there's family issues, there is, um, are his professional issues, there are health issues, and, and those are similar in nature but quite different but fundamentally he is depressed and he's forgotten even why you know because it's been so long so uh, where would you start because uh, remember he's not specific he hasn't had no background in religion at all was an orphan let's say okay no, no, that's that's um that that's that's a that's a great conversation. Now, you know, now obviously, just from as a as a as from a coach or even from a, my pastor perspective, if somebody's super depressed, I'm probably going to try to get them to go see a, a psychotherapist right. or a psychologist. I'll say that. But what I would do, and this is true, is like I can I speak with anybody. I start just at a at a ground level. I would essentially ask the person if they were coming to me is my first thing is I, like, I come with a heart of service. So like, yes. I would say, I would say, Joe, uh, what would make this conversation extraordinarily helpful for you today? And, and I'm just going to listen for what they're saying. Um, and, and, and I would, again, I'm kind of intuitive when I talk to somebody. So I'm just trying to look for patterns in their language to see where they are and to see how I can really serve them. And I'm going to serve them best by asking them questions to draw out, hopefully a future. And then like one of my favorite questions, um, and I actually got this from, I think a a coach I heard on a podcast, his name was Dan Sullivan, but like he always, and this is a version of his question. So I'm not going to say this is a quote from him, but I I would give this the credit to where I got this idea was he always says, I would say, Joe, let's imagine that after today, I don't see you 
and you could say a year or you could say three years, mm -hmm. what would have to be true one year from now or three years from now if we talked again and you'd said, hey, Brian, you won't believe what's happened. And yeah. so I would try to help to them to imagine, imagine a future and then to yeah. see how I could come alongside to really serve them uh, yeah. powerfully to, to be a, you know, a partner with them to try to walk towards that future. So I'm always trying to help people to imagine a future, which to me, yes. you're only going to get to by getting through the junk in your life that's brought you to the moment where you're stuck and open yourself up to something bigger. Does that, yeah. does that make sense? Oh yeah, definitely. Definitely. And you haven't even touched on one religious notion. If we could, uh, you haven't said the word God yeah. to this person at all. And, and it wasn't necessary. Um, and this is interesting. It's very, very interesting. Um, when you talk about mentoring, um, what form of that what form does that take in your practice um do you mentor a certain age group a certain uh, what is the typical mentorship for you yeah and again you know I, my mentoring came out of my my long-standing role as a professor so i've you know i've been teaching now this is going to be my 23rd academic year as a professor so literally i've taught it's in graduate school so i've taught probably over a thousand students by this time, if not more, I've never counted all of them. And I've, and I've essentially had all ages. So I'm pretty comfortable with all ages. I'm 52 myself. And I still know I get students that are older than me. And then, you know, I get students, probably the youngest would be like 22. So, so I can, I work with a wide range of ages, which has given me a great deal of perspective because you can learn things from talking to people that are, you know, different yeah. ages, but to be real specific, I, I think um, my sweet spot, and, and I and I think that, that when you're in this kind of work, you tend to attract people that need the thing that you have in yes, some ways. Yes, yes. And so I would say my sweet spot would be um, persons, and they don't have to be a certain age, but it's typically like at least 40, you know, mm -hmm. so let's say 40 to 60 mm -hmm. that are hard chargers that have worked super hard mm -hmm. and then feel a profound dissatisfaction where they are and are yeah. trying to reboot before they just shut down and say, wow, my life just didn't work out the way that I've done. So I, I've helped people rebound from like divorces, which was my own personal experience. Yeah. Um, or, or losing their job and trying to rebuild or making yeah. a jump from one career to another. And then I also run into persons who've had success, yeah. but they're looking for what's missing. And what yes. I find often yes. it's missing is this idea of transcendence. And this yes. is where the, the work yes. that I do on with the spiritual practices. And again, this is whether you're a Christian or not yes. um, can, can really help because the things I teach, I mean, Again, um, you, know, I, you know, as a Christian, you know, I, I, I hope I can share my faith in some ways, but that's not my job. And I work with, uh, with persons wherever they are, and that's the commitment yes. I make to the people I work with. But I do like to help people experience a bigger life, which I think yeah. involves spirituality. And most people are open to that, and they know where I'm coming from. And so yeah. if someone would be like offended by the, my Christian practices, they probably wouldn't work with me in the first place. Yeah, 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 of course, of course. Yeah. Um, I'm going to um, go into your uh, professorship, all right, of biblical studies. Uh, mm -hmm. And by the way, I've been at it for 40. So, <laughs> so I've seen many more students than you in my, at my university. It's awesome. <laughs> I started very young. Um, so when you, uh, biblical, I mean, the Bible is 
a big piece of work. Yes. I, you know, I follow the um, Bible in a Year podcast. So, and I have, I just go as one was, and it's incredibly bloody and incredibly cruel and incredibly, you know, and of course I, I grew up listening to these things and then now reading and I love the stories. I do really love the stories, but I still, in my mind, I have not the idea very clear of how it was created. I do have it and it's, it's systematized. But how, what kind of classes do you give? Um, are there different classes for different levels or is it just a, um, uh, a course that's, um, that people choose? Is, is it an undergraduate course that they can opt or optional? You know, what, what kind of classes are they? Yeah, no, this is a great question. And, and what I am, I, I teach at a, at a, a theological seminary, which okay. means the okay, people yeah. that are coming are sure. actually in some ways, they yes. feel they sense a calling to either be of a course. pastor or, you know, we do we have a mental health counseling degree at my institution, we have leadership degrees, mm -hmm. but they're all graduate degrees. And so people are sort of self selected and say, you know what, I'm going to um, go a little bit deeper. But um, what it means to study biblical studies is we have a core that everybody has to take. Okay. And so everybody, um, but basically what I do is I teach a class, um, me personally, I teach introduction to Old Testament. So I uh -huh. offer history, theology, mm. and a review of the literature. Sure, sure, sure. And then, um, for, and I teach, and for, for pastors, one of the things that pastor or priest is going to do is, you know, they, they do a sermon and they teach, right? So they have right. to be able to, so I teach interpretation courses, basically, um, you know, you know, the fancy word would be hermeneutics or exegesis, yes, hermeneutics, yeah. but, but I essentially just teach people, um, how to read an ancient document so that you can make it applicable to a 21st century audience. So that's a lot of the work that I do. And so like for myself, um, you know, I teach classes on the book of Exodus. That's was, that was part yes. of what my PhD was on or ah. the book of Psalms. Mm -hmm. And I do some new Testament stuff. My title is professor of biblical studies. Cause when I first was hired in Orlando, I was the only Bible professor. So I had to teach the whole ah. Bible. And so they gave me that title. So I mostly teach old Testament courses, mm -hmm. um, and I teach Hebrew and Greek also. Ah. So I know that the original language is for that. So that's basically, we're pre I'm preparing. Um, here's what I, here's how I like to say it to, and for 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 a lay audience or persons who may not even be Christian, is my job is to make sure that when a person teaches or preaches out of the Bible, th they're not, um, they're not. Uh, I would say. Um, oppressing people with the scriptures when yes. the Bible is supposed to be this liberating message about God's love for the world, ultimately through Jesus's life, death and resurrection. Oh, that's, so, that's, a, that's a hard, yeah, <laughs> that's really yeah. difficult. It really yeah, is difficult. Yeah, yeah. Cause you, cause obviously the people have justified all kinds of unspeakably bad things, um, yeah. in the name of scripture. And they've also, obviously a lot of the powerfully wonderful things in the Western world have come about because of the, the message of scripture. But my job is to help people sort that out. So we get the good yes. minus, um, some misappropriations uh -huh. of what the scriptures would say. Oh, well, that's a big, that's a tall order. It really <laughs> yeah, is a tall order, but it's fascinating. Really yeah. fascinating. Really, really fascinating. How many students um, on a, in a typical year? Uh, well, incoming. Let's talk about incoming students. New, new students come in 
at the first level. Yeah, and, and, and this, this will probably be a little bit surprising. Um, seminaries aren't big. No, um, I imagine. Now, no. now our camp, our, our school is one of the bigger seminaries in the country. Um, yeah. But, you know, having said that, like, you know, my daughter goes to the University of Florida, and they take uh, like five, six, seven, eight thousand people a year, freshmen or whatever. So, you know, a big class for us would be I'm trying to think, I'm going to say somewhere be around 300 so well, it's that's a you know, lot i you know i was yeah, thinking yeah. 150 that's what i yeah, was thinking and that's typical like most seminaries actually get less than 100 people every ah, year so that's why i, I said we're, we're pretty good size but that's mm -hmm. i mean we just happen to be one of the biggest i mean we're on the methodist side of the christian family on the protestant side so ah, um i see so that see. so we draw people from the methodist side of things and we're the, like probably the biggest Mm -hmm. um, again, we're not we're not we're non-denominational, but we're the biggest ah. Methodist flavored seminary that's that's in the world. Oh my goodness! Yeah, I never thought of the flavors. Yeah, I, <laughs> I can see that. I can. <laughs> yeah, because there's Roman Catholic seminaries, there's Presbyterian, right, there's Baptist, course. there's all these of different course. things, and so of yeah, course. yeah. Well, I, it's been so um, so pleasant uh, to talk uh, Thank to you. you, and. Um, and I'd like to have you back uh, sometime, you know, in the fall, you know, even early next year. Um, and uh, when when things change a little bit and and we'll be up, we could update the conversation. That would be really, really nice for me. And well, I'd like you. you to, though, uh, I know that you're writing it's You have a book that's out, I, I believe. And maybe you could tell us what uh, talk about that and also tell the audience where they can find you if you have a website or connect uh, in social media or ever, any place that you can be contacted mm -hmm. yeah thank you so much yeah i have a book it it releases i'm not sure when we're releasing this but it, it'll be out on september the 14th of 2021 and it's uh, called centering prayer sitting si sitting uh, quietly in god's presence can change your life and in that book i detail the transformation that took place in my life by really embracing the silence just like we talked about earlier in the conversation and i and it's a book written to help people learn to do silent meditative prayer and you know a lot of the listeners i know you said you've had people over the yes. world so if, so like it's it's basically what i'd say it's a book about christian meditation mm -hmm. um and so if, if folks are familiar with like mindfulness meditation it's similar to that but it's got a distinctively christian version because we're it's an essentially yes. trying i'm trying to sit with god mm -hmm. and it's a book about what happens when you do sit in silence what you're going to experience and how the silence and i would say you know, god is behind this can slowly help you heal on the inside so that you can show up in the outer world um, and be fully present to others more loving calm able to catch yourself before you say something that maybe you wish you wouldn't have said yes, and just, yes. and, just and, and, and I in my own life I found it's, it's made me more curious uh, less judgmental and you know to, even in my role as a coach I wouldn't have done any coaching and I probably never would have met you if I wouldn't have uh, ex experienced the benefits of a long-term meditation practice and just to give oh, the edge the angle that I run through the book is you know, I discovered, well, silence found me versus me finding silence because I went through a, um, at some level, at one point, it was it was a devastating divorce back in 2010 and 11 after mm -hmm. a 20-year uh, marriage that I wasn't yeah. expecting, mm -hmm. and it pretty much fried me completely. Yeah, and, woke and, you and, up. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. So, <laughs> and, and so this book is, in a sense, I use my own example 
of how the silence transformed me while simultaneously teaching the insights, you know, the best practices, even the stuff, the obstacles that I found as I was doing this practice. So that's the book. And again, it comes out on September 14th. If people are interested in in finding out about the book, they can get it on Amazon or they can go to a website that I set up centeringprayerbook.com and I can give you some information. Now, if you just want to reach out and find out more about me, I have a brand new website that's, uh, that's out in as of August of 2021. Uh It's Brian Russell, PhD.com. Oh, interesting. Brian Russell, PhD.com. I like it. But I yeah. also uh, know that you have your own podcast. Yeah, yeah. Tell us about yeah. that. Yeah, I started a podcast literally right at the beginning of lockdown from the COVID-19 <laughs> like people, stuff. Yeah, because yeah. Yeah, I because I always wanted to have one. And I'm like, well, now I got this extra time, I don't got to drive to work. So I started it's called Deep Dive Spirituality Conversations. And I just I I speak with authors and um, um, and spiritual leaders who are experts really at spiritual formation, mission, and leadership, and especially people that can combine those three things. And nice. so that comes out every week. And and my my program that I do with pastors is called Deep Dive Spirituality mm-hmm. Coaching. And so that it kind of supports that. But that's that's what my podcast is. And folks can find that on YouTube or anywhere else they find podcasts. It's Deep Dive Spirituality Conversations. Yeah, in the mainstream Apple podcasts and um, Spotify, I imagine uh, that that shows up. Well, thank you so, so much. Uh, Next time uh, we talk again, I'd like to talk about God more in depth. And because everyone uh, talks and asks me, well, what do you think? And what do you think that? And I always say, I can tell you what I think today. I don't know what I will be thinking tomorrow. Good. <laughs> so we'll update our conversation. Thanks again, Brian, for coming. No, thank you, Claudia. It's such a privilege to be here, and I just appreciate the conversation today. Uh, we'll talk again then. Bye-bye. Bye.